0: To the Mark Willard Show on KNBR 1045 and 680, the sports
1: leader. 808 KNBR is your phone number. Mark Willard taking a well deserved night off here on a Wednesday. Scott Reese from KTVU doing the fill in duties. Coming up in about 25 minutes, we will talk 49ers. Getting close, getting close. Training camps a little over a month away, health permitting. And we'll talk to Brian Peacock, the 49ers, Locked on 49ers podcast. Uh, But first things first, even closer than that, the NBA will return in a bubble in Orlando. There's a sentence I never thought I'd utter. Bring in Bill Horenda, who is uh, not only our uh, NBA contributor, but also... uh, accomplished actor, uh, analyst, and uh, all-around friend of the program. Bill, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, Scott. Good to hear your voice, man.
1: You as well. How has the uh, strangeness of the last two and a half months been uh, been to you?
0: Yeah, you know what, Scott? I think like everyone, it's just been uh, surreal. I mean, uh, with, of course, the, the tragedy of George Floyd uh, and the injustice that has been going on for far too long. And you just couple that with a pandemic and down here in Los Angeles, we had, you know, and I'm sure throughout the country, really, right. We all had a number of uh, days of curfews uh, and to see, uh, you know, a lot of pain out there. It's just been a very tough time and, and, you know, really an unprecedented time for, uh, for all of us, just hoping uh, for, for change in a variety of ways, of course.
1: So we've got a date, a target date for the NBA playoffs, uh, the NBA to come back on July 31st. Uh, they're going to play about eight regular season games, then they'll dive into the playoffs. Uh, you know, this is sort of the anti-Major League Baseball in that you know, there was no discord between players and owners and management. It all seemed to go fairly fluidly. Uh, and I know a lot of details still need to be worked out. But your thoughts just on the, the sort of the, the big picture of the NBA coming back?
0: Sure. So to me, it's all about uh, safety for all of the participants. Uh, To me, that is paramount. Uh, And and now we have Adrian Wojnarowski reporting uh, within the last couple hours that 40 to 50 players were on a conference call uh, in the past 24 hours discussing a number of concerns centered on this restart in Orlando. Uh, So we've got a faction of players, according to Woj now, that are hesitant to restart in that Orlando bubble. Uh, so, you know, here, Scott, I commend the league. Uh, listen, we need sports more than ever, right. For a variety of reasons, uh, to unite us, to have a distraction, nothing brings us all together uh, regardless of, of race, socioeconomic status, religion, gender, et cetera. Uh, but uh, again, I completely understand how, you know, players or anyone that will be in Orlando, this, uh, kind of amber light and again we're working here too i'm not an infectious disease doctor and epidemiologist or anything along those lines but we've got obviously a moving target what we're looking at today could be much different next month and we're hoping things improve and get much better so there's a lot of uncertainty out there but to me uh, safety is is paramount that's my, my where my premise has been through this
1: you're not an epidemiologist but have you played one on tv you're, you're you're one of the few people I can actually ask that to.
0: I have auditioned for MD roles, Scott, and uh, I'm sure that I have left auditions and casting directors and producers and directors really thinking. Next time, I, I'm sure I was very close. Uh, so, so you'll be you'll be the first to know when when I do land a role. Uh, I have a white coat right here. I'm ready.
1: So we're going to see most of the NBA teams back in action. Eight of them will not be playing, including the Warriors, which obviously is of paramount importance around here. Uh, do you think the NBA got it right in terms of where they drew the line and in terms of bringing teams back?
0: I think so. And, and of course, I you am know, looking here not from a scarcity mentality, of course, but you want as many fan bases engaged as possible. And I think they did a really good job of – Of expanding that. I think it's a tribute to really Adam Silver's leadership and the NBA trying to be innovative here. So I was, I was happy with that number. Uh, And again, you know, it's funny, Scott, I have uh, three daughters and one of them has always asked me, dad, why don't they do an NCAA tournament? Just do single elimination. And I'm also, I haven't played an NBA on TV or in real life, but I try to explain to her the numbers behind it all. But, uh, but I, I think that would have been outrageous and wild and, you know, uh, an Elam ending. You could go, uh, obviously, very creative here on the whiteboard. I'm sure they, they entertained everything. But I, I do like where they came down with this. I think 22 is a, is a good number, and it includes, you know, most franchises. That's for sure.
1: Talking with Bill Horenda of uh, NBA fame. He's a, a contributor to the show, does a lot of uh, uh, games as well, calls college basketball games, at Bill Horenda on Twitter. Uh, so do you expect that the details that are still yet to come are just dotting the I's and crossing the T's? Do you feel like you know we are uh, on on cruise control Virus permitting, in terms of getting the NBA back, or are there issues that you think could still pop up in terms of roster size, in terms of you know other other last minute details that could throw any wrench in this thing?
0: Yeah, I, I do think that uh, this is a moving target, Scott. And there could be things that come up. I mean, it's certainly just the uh, the environment w- w- that we're in. Uh, so many uncertainties, the uncharted territory that until. Uh, you know, tip off of that first game, I think there's always a possibility that it won't get done. And I, and I do think that if you have a, a number of players and what was you saying that there are 40 or 50 of them that were on a conference call, if you have a faction that, you know, will not go to Orlando, uh, you know, how does the league handle that? How do they manage uh, this deal? And, and of course, you know, the NBA and the, and the players association, uh, are trying to agree on a plan uh, that would allow players to stay home without qu- consequences. This is according to uh, Wojgan and ESPN. So I, I think that looms large over this. I, I really, I really do. All
1: right. So let's assume we're going to have the rest of the season, and we can actually start talking X's and O's, and we can start talking about who's going to win the NBA title. Bill, who's going to win the NBA title? I mean, and does the layoff somehow affect your perception of the balance of power in both conferences?
0: I still think, Scott, it's a talent league. You know, and listen, I think, uh, you know, listen, I think the Bucs are going to win this thing. And that's not really a shift from the regular season and the balance of power, right? I mean, I think that would be the Clippers and the Bucks. I think there are a number of teams that could win it. And I always – my fallback is defensive rating. We have only had two NBA champions over the last 20 years that have been outside of the top 10 in defensive rating. In 18, the Warriors were 11th. They were knocking on the door. And the Lakers were 21st. Now, when play was suspended, we had four teams, Milwaukee, the Lakers, Boston, and the Clippers, that were in the top 10 of both defensive and offensive rating Listen, regardless of what team I'm coaching in Orlando, any of the 22, I'm saying this is to our advantage, right? You've got a veteran team. We (laughs) know how to play together. You've got a young team. We're fresh. It's going to take these guys a little bit longer to get their legs. Believe me, I would be in there working it. Uh, But I do think that a defense would be especially paramount in this condensed environment because, uh, again, Defense, to me, is always ahead of offense. And it really, you look at the Lakers, what a great job Frank Vogel has done with, with the Lakers and so many new pieces. But I think that it's, it's easier to pick that up to reinforce your defensive foundation, your principles. And I think offense will lag behind and it'll take a while for offense to catch up. Therefore, to me, defense will be of even more importance in a condensed
1: setting, you know I, I hear you, and, and I look at the numbers, and the Bucks' uh, margin scoring margin is far and away the best in the NBA. But they're playing in the East, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets playing in the West. I mean, how how do you sort of uh, adjust for? You know, strength of schedule, if you will, to steal a college sports term, uh, in terms of judging, you know, how much better, if at all, better the Bucks are than say the Lakers or Clippers. When you know, let's be honest, the East is nowhere close in terms of top to bottom talent.
0: Right, and and I would agree with that. I think that you know, there's one team that really, to me, is scary that I, I would be worried about facing, and they don't get a lot of hype. Are the Raptors? Yeah, and I mean, this is a team that just personifies. Uh, uh, you know Siakam first and foremost, and Lowry, and uh, you know we go through the whole roster, Dan. Frey, they just personify the expression "playing hard in the NBA" is a skill, and they, and they do that. And, and they're they're just a really tough team. And I, I raise them. Uh, Of course, because they are an Eastern Conference team. Uh, Also, you know, you fall back to some of Hubie Brown's maxims. You know, this will boil down to, you know, can you remain injury-free, assuming, you know, most teams come into this without injuries. Can you have your top three play to your potential? And can you finish close games? And I I think the thing that we can't account for is just how this thing begins to percolate again. And I don't think anyone can really predict – how teams will uh, acclimate and how how quickly they'll accept a, a accountability and chemistry, and, and they will do that, of course. I mean that's key. But but execution, Scott. How will they execute? And I think that's the thing that just kind of I think the playing field here may be much more level than that body of work in which conference is stronger than the other.
1: Well, you can replace uh, can we remain injury-free to can we remain virus-free, right? Because that's really what we're, as much as anything else, going to be talking about when these teams all reconvene. Uh, Bill, let's talk about the Warriors. Uh, you know, Steve Kerr uh, was asked about, you know, if he would be in favor of the other eight teams having some sort of summer, you know, get-together where they play games just to, you know— I don't know, get more game action under their belt for whatever reason. He was he was pretty emphatic that he said, no, you know, I, I don't want any part of that. Didn't need to go to Orlando to be an also-ran and, and you know, not be in the playoff picture, and we'll take the practice time and, and leave it at that." that. Um, it, it, is that the, the, the correct line of thinking if you're one of these other teams that doesn't have anything to play for in terms of a, of a championship?
0: I really do, Scott. I, I really do. I, I think that's the right approach. And I, I think, you know, for the Warriors, what you're looking at is uh, – you know the, the draft scenario, right? There are only four ways to get better: the draft, free agency, trades, and skill development. And you know, you look at those draft buckets. If you're one to three, you're hoping to get an all-star. If you're four to fourteen, you're hoping to get a starter. Fifteen to twenty-seven, a rotational player. Twenty-seven to sixty, a fringe guy. And of course, that's ideally, right? I mean, we always have, uh, you know, the human element here, and a talent evaluation is is a, can be a very uh, fickle and capricious thing. But I do think that for the Warriors and the teams that are, you know, those eight teams, I think to to look forward and to plan appropriately uh, with those four ways, again, the draft, free agency, trade, skill development, I, I think that's the right approach for sure.
1: You know, how how difficult is it going to be for all teams, but particularly teams at the top of the draft, to make prudent decisions this year, when A, there doesn't appear to be a transcendent talent. There's no Zion Williamson in the draft this year, and B, you know, you can't do the visits. They canceled the the combines, and I don't know what they're going to do and try and sneak in. You know, later in the summer, but you know, this is just by all by all uh, estimations, a bizarre uh, way to have to go about you know building your future. And a team like the Warriors, who you know have had you know the the last pick in the draft, you know, for, <laughs> for the last five years, all of a sudden they could have the first pick but it's such a strange time to have that first pick you know what do you do with that
0: yeah yeah and, and I think uh, you know first off perhaps you are avoiding a scenario where these individual workouts can be extremely misleading yeah uh, so that's one thing you know I mean it's got one way to look at it uh, also uh, you know uh, Obi Toppin for example the kid from Dayton uh, to me, is, is a terrific uh, player who's got kind of that positional size and strength that you know guys like him are thriving uh, in, in the NBA. Uh, there's Wiseman. You didn't see a lot of him with his situation at Memphis, right? In college, uh, Lamelo Ball was played internationally. Uh, Anthony Edwards. So I think here, what you have to rely upon is the uh, basketball acumen of your people. And I mean, the Warriors have been terrific. I've been at arenas where I see Larry Harris, uh, you know, in, in the Mountain West conference, really working hard uh, and, you know, working in the arena and, and, and learning as much as possible about these players, both on and off the floor. And I also think that uh, if you look at the Warriors depth chart and you think that, you know, this stretch four position is one where they can, you know, perhaps improve uh, again there. Maybe you're looking at free agency, with, you know, guys like Abaka, Millsap, Harrell, and Davis Bertans uh, potentially being available via, via free agency. And again, you know, you want to draft on talent, free agency for need, and then also the skill development and, and the trade. So I, as a warrior, for Warriors fans out there, I would have confidence, uh, like you said, even though they haven't dra- drafted at the top, Uh, I would have confidence in their ability to uh, evaluate talent and improve the franchise.
1: I would say, Bob Myers, Steve Curry, you're in pretty good hands uh, on that front. Uh, if history is any indication, uh, Bill, before I let you go, j- just quickly because it's become sort of fodder for discussion around here, and, you know, the 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 idea of Giannis and you know where he will go in two years, and if in fact he does leave Milwaukee, and look, the 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 Giannis to the Warrior discussion is not new; it's been going on for what seems like years already. Uh, but now people are starting to bandy about the well, would you trade Clay Thompson in a deal to get Antetokounmpo? And uh, folks around here are p- pretty split on that. I'm just wondering, you know, if if you had that opportunity and could make a deal pending, you know, ancillary parts and you could get Giannis, but you'd have to give up Clay to do it, would you be on board?
0: I probably would. And listen, no one's untradeable. Scott, you may not call me next week. I mean, (laughs) and I get it. So if I had that opportunity, I mean, Clay is a prolific player, one of the greatest shooters of all time. Uh, I'm sure he'll come back strong from this injury, but there, I would probably pull the trigger on that. And I'm not a cowboy, I'm, I'm a pretty prudent fellow. Uh, but that's one that I would have to really consider, and I probably would pull the trigger on it. To be honest with you.
1: All right, all right, we'll mark you down as a yes on that because I'm sure they'll they're going to take a poll right before they consider this. They're they're going to ask all of us what we would do. So we'll we'll put Bill down as a yes. Hey, you know what? I lied. I got one more for you, just because I've got you and you're a college basketball guy, and I know you have as much vested interest in, in I do. At at no, you know nobody's a lot of a lot of talk about college football and what's going on in the fall. Not yet discussion about college hoops, but you know your thoughts on. The possibility of a college basketball season being interrupted in some way, shape, or form because, you know, if there is a second wave of this thing in the winter, we could obviously have some problems.
0: Yeah, and I, my default again is, you know, safety paramount for everyone involved, uh, for, you know, players, coaches, staffs, uh, administrative people, uh, fans, of course. So I, I go right there, Scott. It'll be interesting. Hopefully we'll be in really good shape and we won't see it come back. Uh, But, again, I would, you know, my brother's the head coach at FDU in the Northeast Conference. They've been to the NCAA tournament two out of the last four seasons. And uh, I think they're planning appropriately uh, and, you know, preparing and hoping for the best. And you just have to, uh, you know, again, just be prudent and see where things will fall. uh, And hopefully things will be okay. Okay.
1: And there you have it. Uh, Hope uh, widespread, and hopefully it'll come to fruition uh, on so many levels, obviously. Uh, Bill Harenda, appreciate your time. And uh, come on, I'll call you. If they let me back on the show next week, I'll call you. How about that?
0: (laughs) That That sounds great, Scott. Anytime. Thanks so much.